It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. Welcome to the Adam Ritz Show. Today, we are... Live on campus at Purdue University, and we are broadcasting in front of this live studio audience. Holy cow! A lot of Boilermaker love in this room. Thank you guys for that warm welcome. Uh, We are joined by our guest, Robert Kugler. Hi, Robert. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. You're a member of the Boilermaker football team. Um, What do you do? What position? What year? I play offensive line. I'm a senior. And uh, we brought you on the show, not necessarily to talk about football, although I love football. We're going to talk about your service projects, uh, character and integrity outside the walls of the locker room. What do you guys here with Boilermaker Football, what do you do to make this community better? Uh, we do a lot of things, you know, a lot of community outreach. We, uh, like we talked about, we went did a, um, as a team, we did a Habitat for Humanity. We cleared out some rubble, a burned down house, helping out a family. So we do all kinds of stuff, like going to the Boys and Girls Club, you know, just all kinds of different things. So Habitat for Humanity, you, you guys tore down a house that was kind of uh, needed torn down, and then you're going to help them build a new one? How, how many did guys use tools, or did they just use their heads and run right into the house? Yeah, so there were two houses, and then uh, the offense, the one was already burned down, so we were just clearing out rubble. And I guess the defense got to use some sledgehammers and <laughs> knock a house down, so that's what, that was it. And then with the Boys and Girls Club, Tell me about that. you got to be a little more gentle. You can't walk in there with a sledgehammer, can you? Yeah, a bunch of us went over there and played dodgeball with the kids. And it was just kind of no like, way, dodgeball? Yeah. That's a little aggressive, isn't it? Yeah, and we're, you know, at first we were trying not to hit them too hard, but then they started talking crap, so <laughs> <laughs> it got intense. You had to knock down the smart, the smart aleck, right? Yeah. Okay, so that's a great reminder for all of our listeners uh, to get off your couch, help out in your community. Uh, let's have a round of applause for Robert Kugler here and all of the Purdue University Boilermakers. Thank you so much for hosting the Adam Ritz Show. Get to know Adam at adamritz.com. Get to know the radio show at adamritzshow.com. As the show continues, we are joined by comedian Frank Townsend. Hi, Frank. How are you? I'm pretty good. How about you? I'm doing uh, fantastic, and we're proud here on the Adam Ritz Show to bring the most compelling, interesting public affairs show in America covering social awareness topics and philanthropies and addiction and social media in an interesting, compelling way. And what better way than to bring a comedian on the show to talk about uh, social awareness? So uh, is this a first for you? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, I'm sure you've done a lot of media, a lot of radio. Yeah, I've done re- media, radio, things like that. But nobody asked me to talk about serious topics. I don't. <laughs> I'm actually hurt that they don't. I have feelings. I can do this. Well, I've seen your show, and what I wanted to talk to you about is something very important to us: is fatherhood. We've uh, talked to people at All Pro Dad. Uh, we agree with every young man that uh, the idea of uh, being a father is going to be the most important job they'll ever have. Uh, and I also uh, believe and agree with the notion that a lot of our social problems in America today have to do with the fact that uh, maybe there's not a strong father figure in the household. Uh, I've seen your set. You're, you're a very funny man, and you do some great comedy about being a father yourself and, uh, and your father. Um, Tell us, I guess, a little bit of background about um, your take on fatherhood. Well, for me, 
fatherhood is one of those things that's very important. I grew up without a dad, and it was very interesting because what happens is when you grow up without a dad, I know I don't know for a lot of guys, but for me, I had to steal fatherhood from people. I mean, I would watch my grandfather a lot. I watched my uncles. I watched next door neighbors, you know, friends who had fathers. I had to take from the men that were in my life that were not my father and treat them as fathers. And it's like, what would I get from this man to be my father? And so when I grew up and it was time for me to be a father, I knew I couldn't, I couldn't just walk away from it. There's no way in the world. I know the things that as a 42 year old man now that are missing in my life because I didn't have a father. So there's no way in the world I could do that. And I love kids too much. So I'm a father to probably, I made one child, but I'm probably father to about 20 kids that I know. So, Well, who are those kids? Um, kids from the church, uh, kids in the neighborhood, kids that I'm just around. So there's no way I'm going to like not be a positive role model for the kids that are in my life. You know, so that's just for me. Well, I know you don't need this pet on your back. It's it's easy for you to be a, a good dad, but there's a lot of little boys that maybe grow up without a dad, and that cycle continues. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw it at a young age and said, I'm not doing that. Oh, yeah, very much so. There's no way I could inflict the pain on a child that was inflicted upon me, and, and that's what a lot of people do. They accept it as the norm, and we can't accept these things as normal. Even though they're happening every day in life, that doesn't make it normal. It just happens because we allow it to. So you got to stop it somewhere in life. You can't just accept the negative. You got to make it better. Maybe it happened to you, but you don't have to let it happen to your child. I I mean, I can't do it. You give a lot of, uh, I mean, enormous amount of love and credit to your your mom being a single mother. Oh, yeah. My mom. It was crazy because my mom was, she had me when she was 19 years old, you know. Single mom doing it by herself, and you know she she impressed upon me to make sure that I didn't live that way. She's like, when it's time for you to have your child, you know, you take your time. First of all, you don't have to rush into this. Take your time. Find a good woman, a woman that you can love, a woman that you can marry. And once you marry that woman, that's when you have your child. And that's what I did. I took my time, found a good woman, fell in love. Took a really took a long time, and next thing you know, I'm. 40 years old with a two-year-old and to be honest that kind of sucked mom and could have did like you and been done with this by now and so but. that's a great that's a great joke I, you know it's so funny how real life uh there is comedy in real life and uh but you're doing it right i'm telling you what um your your son now yeah my son uh franklin jr um he is a riot. If you if you follow me on Facebook at Frank Townsend, pretty much you'll get to see some of the stories that this kid does. And he, he's amazing. I love my son, but he is my son every single iota of him. Every single fiber in his being lets him be silly enough to be my child. And everything I gave to my mother, he's given back to me tenfold. I don't I'm, I have to apologize to her at some point because <laughs> if I did this to her and she still had my brothers, she must be some type of saint or crazy, one of the two because there's no way in the world she should have had child number 2 after me. <laughs> Frank Townsend is our guest, comedian and advocate of fatherhood. Uh, we thank you for coming on the show to talk about how important being a father is to you. And uh, hopefully our listeners, especially the young ones, know how important that is. And you don't just jump into some crazy young uh, age uh, 
companionship, relationship, not thinking about the consequences. Next thing you know, you have a baby and it changes your life forever. So um, hats off to you for, for your awareness and uh, educating our listeners that, you know, you don't have to be funny 24-7, which you are. You have a serious side to you as well. And uh, now I want to pick your brain about uh, being funny. Um, okay. Headlining a cruise ship. That's, uh, that's not your normal gig for a comedian. Uh, no, because for whatever reason, cruise ships like to think that comedy is for children. So for whatever reason, they will let a room full of seven-year-olds hear this grown man tell jokes. <laughs> I don't think you should sit your child in front of me unless you actually know me. Because some of the stuff that can come out of my mouth, you may not want your child to know about. <laughs> but Norwegian says it's okay. The parent says it's okay. Okay, kid, here you go. Got an education for you. The ultimate yacht. I mean, this is an enormous ship. We're on Norwegian cruise lines, the getaway. You've been the headlining comedian here. Um, what are some of your favorite yacht cruise-related uh, comedic stories and jokes that you've come up with just observing people on a, on a yacht like this? Okay, I tell these stories, and for whatever reason, every time I tell a story of something that happens on the ship, the people that I'm talking about happen to be in the room. I have not done this one time without the person not being in the room. Uh, then we also had uh, a situation that starts off kind of serious, but it's kind of crazy because we had a guy who tried to jump overboard. Literally, when someone, when we have an emergency on the ship, um, they don't just say there's a fire on floor eight or whatever. They have a code system. It was like code alpha, bravo, whatever. So they call out the code for man overboard. I look at my sheet and see what it is. I literally run upstairs because I want to go and see if we can see the guy overboard. But the craziest thing happened because 20 <laughs> minutes later, they made the announcement that the guy, that there was, it was a false alarm. Okay. Come to find out, it wasn't a false alarm. The guy really did jump. And I'll give you a little backstory on the guy because the guy had some problems before he got on the ship. You know, his life was in shambles, you know. And the way the interview went down with the security guards, uh, they basically said his life was in shambles. He had gotten, just gotten out of rehab. His girlfriend dumped him. And he had just been, you know, basically they described him as a loser or whatever. So when his mother decides to take him on a cruise ship to cheer him up, I don't think that was the brightest thing for the family to do because if you just got out of rehab, why would you take somebody to a floating bar, which is all a cruise liner is? <laughs> so mom goes to the room. She opens the door. She opens the door just in time to watch this kid, you know, do a header right off the balcony. He's jumping off the ship. She calls 911. She freaks out, calls 911, and she runs down to the deck to try to find her son. Well, when he jumped, he actually landed on the lifeboat. <laughs> which I didn't know that's how they were supposed to work but hey it worked that way but this is what's interesting to me how in the world do you jump off a cruise ship and miss the ocean <laughs> it's only two things there the ship and the ocean if you get off of one you have to hit the other one now okay you're laying there on the on the lifeboat okay i get it you didn't make your initial jump you didn't jump far enough okay now if you roll two times to the right mission accomplished you're in the ocean 
Apparently, he hurt his back, so he rolled two times to the left, got back on the ship with to lay back down in the room, and was going to try it again when he felt better. Apparently, and so, what was funny to me, because I imagined it as him passing the people in the hallway coming to save him, because they don't know what he looks like. He's just the guy. <laughs> I love that one. Now, when you went and uh, you you ran up to look over the side of the ship to see if you could see him yes. to, to help or, or to laugh. Oh, I'm not helping. I mean, <laughs> that's not my job. I tell jokes on the ship. They have people here for that. And so you don't want me trying to. I First of all, I work on a cruise ship, and I don't know how to swim. And I know a lot of y'all are thinking that's pretty dumb, but when you're in the middle of the ocean, you know, Doggy paddle ain't gonna help you no way, man. There's a long way back to Miami. I'm not gonna make it either way. So, so you're right. If you get, if you get the best swimmer is gonna be uh, oh, yeah. uh, down under soon right. enough. So, Frank Townsend is our guest, uh, comedian and headliner on a cruise ship, Norwegian Cruise Lines. It's the getaway. Frank Townsend, we thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about uh, the social awareness uh, issue of fatherhood, how important that is to you. It's important to us and our listeners, and we wish you the best of luck uh, with your comedy, with your writing, with your television, and your uh, your entire media career. Thank you so much. Thanks, Adam. I love it, man. Glad I could be of assistance to you. Hi, this is Murphy Grant, Assistant AD for Sports Medicine at the University of Kansas, and you're listening to The Adam Ritz Show. Get ready for an inspiring, uh, uh, informative, entertaining foundation story coming to you from Pine Island, Florida. We are uh, at the Pineland Marina with uh, a fishing tournament for charity, and we're here with Ernestine Holloway. Hi, Ernestine. How are you? Hi. Nice to meet you. It's so great to be here with you and uh, all the fanfare here, raffle tickets, um, T-shirts, hats. It's a fishing tournament, all to benefit your son, Bobby Holloway Jr. Tell us about Bobby. Um, Bobby was 11 when he um, was killed in a hunting accident, but he had a big heart, and he always wanted to help people and other kids. And so when he passed away, it just seemed a natural to have this tournament and benefit the children in our area. And it's with school clothes, it's food, it's medical, it's college scholarships. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, football, baseball, anything that will enrich the lives of our youth. And, you know, keep them on the right track. And when did uh, Bobby pass away in this hunting accident? How long ago? 18 years. 1990, oh, wow. Yeah, 1997. Well, you I, you look young enough. I thought you were going to tell me it was just a few years ago. Yeah, thanks. Okay, uh, 18 years ago. And so has this... Uh, fishing tournament or the foundation itself been around since that day yes, since 18 years ago yes it has and how long okay this specific event we're at today is a fishing ter- competition right it's adult and youth division and then we have one neat division we call the little bobbers and it's where local captains guide um, underprivileged kids in our area that have never been on a boat and we're an island and it's just an unbelievable day a lifetime memory and they get to participate in the tournament and they get to have you know a captain's meeting like the big guys and they get shirts and hats and rods and reels and that's pretty interesting again we're talking with ernestine holloway uh the mother of bobby holloway who was um accidentally killed during a hunting accident 18 years ago the foundation started then and it raises money and awareness for all kinds of things the scholarships tell me about the scholarships it's college scholarships uh, for a graduating senior in our area they apply but we also do continuing education 
it could be for someone that's going to, to Votech, you know, to learn a vocational trade. Okay. So, you know, that was a big deal. We started that the year that Bobby would have graduated. So, I mean, we just, you know, it's like a full-rounded, you know, benefit for the children, you know, any way to enrich their lives. And we live on an island, so swimming lessons are very important to save lives. So we, you know, take care of swimming lessons and camps and, you know, it's been medical sometime and sometimes it's been a water bill that the family couldn't pay, but they have kids at home. So it's it's very rewarding, you know. What a legacy for my son, you know. It's you know it's always emotional, but it's always good. It's you know very therapeutic and healing. So this event today, the Bobby Holloway Jr. Memorial Fishing Tournament, uh, again we're at Pineland Marina. It's on Pine Island, a little fishing town called Boquilla. And it's just gorgeous here, southwest Florida, I guess, uh, for our friends listening. If you've ever been to Sanibel or Captiva off of Fort Myers Beach, we're the next island north, Pine Island. And that's the island you're speaking about. Yes. So this event today, the fishing tournament, tell me about it. I mean, there's hundreds of people here, oh, yes. vendors, food. Oh, yes, um, and we have our, our mullet wagon because our local fair here is the lowly mullet to some, but it's a delicacy to us. So we have our <laughs> mullet wagon. And for the people that don't like the seafood, we have barbecue. And it's the same people from day one, 18 years ago, you know, that are out here. And it's just a big family. It's a kickoff to a tournament season in our area, which is a big deal. You know, it's a big money maker. And we hope today to make over 50 grand. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we've come a long ways. Who would have thought? Seven. That's unbelievable. What? Yeah. From, a, from a tragedy to uh, a success story to, to really turn this around and have have it be a positive thing. Uh, you've got such a smile on your face, yeah. too. I know you're really proud of this, yes. and I'm oh, sure Bobby would have been, too. Yes, yes, it's lemonade. That's what I call my lemonade, you know. It's lemonade. Yes. Well, yes. for our friends listening, uh, is there a digital property, a website? How can they get mm -hmm. involved, either through education, awareness, or if they want to actually give money to the foundation? It's Holloway, H-O-L-L-O-W-A-Y, tourney.org. And you can look it up on the web. Okay, Holloway tourney.org. Ernestine, thank you so much for your time and thank continued you. success with your foundation. Thank you. I appreciate it. The Adam Ritz Show. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. The Adam Ritz Show scours the United States of America to find uh, inspirational stories. We also report on community service and leadership and philanthropies. And we have found a story at Huntington University that you've got to hear that involves all of these aspects, uh, leadership and community service and inspiration. And our guest to describe this uh, to us is Sam Barrett from Huntington University. He's also a student athlete. You're on the soccer team. This is Sam Barrett. Hi, Sam. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I uh, was inspired when I heard what you were up to, which began as a, a little post, uh, maybe a, a challenge or a, a tweet or an Instagram. And now, months later, it's an actual national push. It's a national initiative to help out someone that you've known uh, from your hometown. Uh, give us the history on what we're talking about. This is an amazing inspirational story. Uh, Sam Barrett, take it away. All right. So uh, it was actually last year. Me and my friends were just hanging out. I have a close group of friends back home and my friend Tori is one of them. She was born without one of her hands. And uh, so one night, she's really comfortable with it. Uh, one of my friends sent out a tweet, hashtag, it was hashtag hand for Tori. And at first it was almost like a joke because she's cool with it, you know. And uh, then we were thinking, like, what if we could really push for this and try to get her a bionic hand? Absolutely. Through social media, you know, get a hashtag out there and uh, get a, a movement, make it viral, get 
maybe a million people on board to help your friend Tori get a hand. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so we stayed up all night tweeting it. We got a bunch of people to do it. And uh, we thought we had it off big and we had something going, but no attention right away. And then one of my friends found uh, a contest online from The Buried Life. It used to be a show on MTV. And their contest was, what do you want to do before you die? So we entered in. He entered in that we want to get our friend Tori a hand. And they, that, they said they never heard any requests like that or anything that someone wants to do. So they picked that one out, and they sent our friend Tori and our other friend Cam out to L.A. and announced it there. That so your friend Tori was featured on an MTV show called The Buried Life. She was on the show? Um, sort of. Not really. She was at this conference. Um, in, it was on UCLA's campus, and they took her there, and that's just where they announced it. But, um, yeah, The Buried Life were the ones who announced it to her. So Okay, so The Buried Life producers say, we've never heard a request like this, that you want to get your friend a hand. She doesn't have a hand. You want to get her a hand, a bionic hand, I'm guessing. Um, w- what kind of request do they usually get? Um, I think it's more like... Like things like, I want to go skydiving or... Yeah, meaningless, just trivial junk. I want to go to a Bears game, you know, stuff like that. I want to go to Disney World. Yeah. Um, okay, so you come through with something really meaningful. We want to get our friend... And it wasn't like you're saying, I want to get myself a hand. You want to get this for somebody else. So it's even more powerful that it's coming third-person-wise that you want to do something for somebody else. Okay, so the buried life gets a hold of this, uh, and then what happens? Uh, and then they got um, attention. They tried to find someone who would donate the hand, so they went through, it's called Hanger Clinic, and with the help of Invisible Children, who also helped get the story out, and uh, they Hanger Clinic made it happen, and they actually donated a bionic hand to Tori for free. The Hanger Clinic? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know if you have the number off the top of your head, but I can't imagine that a bionic hand is not super uber expensive do you do you have any idea what a bionic hand costs uh, it's over a hundred thousand dollars okay so yeah wow and the hanger clinic comes through sees the story through this mtv mm-hmm. show comes through and, and gets your friend tori a bionic hand uh when she got that hand were you were you there were you part of this process did you get to see how she learned how to use it or uh tell us about after she got the hand uh, when they announced that they were going to give her the hand uh, in L.A., I was actually at preseason in soccer, so I got to watch it online. Uh, but then uh, later in the season, um, I got to go home for a weekend, and w- we went to Hanger Clinic with Tori and all my friends, and we got to see her use it for the first time. And she was like tying, she tied her shoes, she like curled her hair with it, and it was just amazing to see her using it as a normal hand. That is unbelievable that uh, what started out as a hashtag moved forward and with some national attention, the hangar clinic comes through. Now, let me get the spelling right on the hangar clinic. Is it like uh, like an airplane hangar? Like H-A-N-G-A-R, the hangar clinic? G-E-R. E-R, okay, H-A-N-G-E-R clinic, the hangar clinic. Uh, we're going to Google them, and I encourage our listeners to check them out. Uh, do you know what else they do, the hangar clinic? Um, a lot of it is with, like, artificial limbs and like bionic stuff like that okay so they put together a, a video that's on youtube that's that's her getting the hand yeah uh go ahead tell us about the video yeah the video was actually put together by the buried life um they put it together they like they had one of their guys come to the hangar clinic and record and take shots for us and uh yeah it was crazy the video kind of just explains the whole process and how it started it has tori and then her dad talks in it as well and then my friends and i were all in it too and, uh, yeah, it just shows her using it by the end. And 
It's great. So the MTV producers put together this high-quality video. It's on YouTube right now. Uh, go search. All you need to do is search her name, and you'll find this video. Over 400,000 views. It's Tori Biddle. And the easy way to remember the spelling on this is two R's and two D's. Two R's and two D's. Tori, T-O-R-R-I, Biddle, B-I-D-D-L-E. Search Tori Biddle on YouTube Watch that video. And there's another reason to watch that video, not just to be inspired by this great story, but you were telling me off mic before we started this interview that if they get a million views on this video, what's going to happen? Yeah, if it gets to a million views, Hanger Clinic is going to donate another bionic can to someone in need. So That is amazing. And so I'm just going to assume or maybe throughout the next challenge that maybe uh, if, if that video of that person getting a hand gets a million views, then they'll do it again for somebody else. They've got to do that. The precedent has been set. <laughs> yeah, you never know what happens, so it's crazy. Okay, do you know how they're going to find the next candidate or um, who's going to know, nominate them or how are they going to come forward? I honestly have no clue on that, but I just know they said it'll be someone in need of a hand just like Tori was. So That is just an amazing story. Sam Barrett, uh, soccer player at Huntington University. Uh, this is just his personal testimony, a friend of his from his hometown with an amazing inspirational story. These stories are all over America, and it's one of the, the greatest uh, parts about hosting this radio show is when we meet people like you that get involved, get off their couch. In fact, I'm gonna, that's going to be a slogan or a hashtag. I might write a book called Get Off Your Couch because nothing really happens in your community if you sit on your couch with a remote control in your hand, get off your couch, make something happen. Uh, Sam Barrett got involved with a friend of his that, that needed a hand, and now she's got a bionic hand. It's a $100,000 hand, uh, thanks to the Hanger Project. Uh, watch this video online again. Search Tori Biddle, and you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Sam, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing this story with us, and I want to wish you the best of luck here at uh, Huntington University. Thank you. Yeah, it was my pleasure coming on. Just remember to watch the video, and let's try to get it to a million. Send your questions, comments, or concerns to The Adam Ritz Show by emailing adam at adamritz.com. I'm on the campus of Missouri State University in Springfield, Springfield, Missouri with Casey Hunt. Hi, Casey. How are you? Good, Adam. How are you tonight? I am doing fantastic. I'm so happy and proud to be here with you at Missouri State and uh, your office of Associate Athletic Director. You work very closely uh, with all the student-athletes on campus, and we're here today to honor you and your student-athletes with a community service project we've been hearing about. And what is this called? It's called Meals a Million. Meal, meals a Million. Meals a Million. Okay. Um, basically what we do is you get a team of five, um, all our student-athletes and athletic administrators, uh, went over to our expo center over here, and we helped out uh, this program where you actually stuff meals for the hunger and they get sent overseas. So you got to pack a million meals uh, within three days. And they, you go in different shifts. So we went in two-hour shifts and uh, reached uh, the million meals that we send overseas to the folks that are in hunger. And it's five student-athletes at once doing this over a three-day period, or, or is it groups of five team members? And, and is, does each team compete to try to win the we, most meals? We have a little competition within ourselves, but it's actually it, it's such a huge project that you're – um, there, there's teams of, of 10, so you have 10 people. So it could be made up of coaches and, and players, or it could be all administrators. You have your mix. And we just have a little competition within ourselves to see how many meals we could do. So, for example, our team did um, 45 boxes in our two hours, which was um, the highest that were – 
the highest number of meals that were done in the shortest period of time. So it's a uh, it's a little little game that we play. They play all kinds of um, music over there. So you dance, you hoot, you holler, um, and you have a lot of fun. You meet a lot of different people. It's meals a million, and it goes overseas to military people. Is that right. what you said? It goes to uh, young children that are um, in need of food, um, just hunger packages. So it could go to military. It could also go to um, uh, poor people. Okay, I got you. I, I got lost yeah. in the military. That's so it doesn't go to the military. The military doesn't distribute it. No. This is, okay. What constitutes a meal. I mean, you can't just throw an apple and a banana in a sack and say, there's one, done. This is funny. Everybody has a job responsibility, and if somebody misses... You're out of meal, basically, is what happens. So, for example, is I may have one cup of rice. I may have um, somebody who's next to me who has a scoop of beans. Uh, somebody who's next to me has a scoop of dried vegetables. And you put them all together, but you got to put them in packages. Um, and you, you're in a specific order of how the packages have to be done. And then at the end of the line, you have somebody who actually seals the packages, and then you pass them on down to get stuffed in the boxes. So, All right. Well, check it out. Uh, I'm sure you can Google more information. Absolutely. Maybe a Facebook page is out there. It's Meals a Million at Missouri State with their athletic department. Uh, Casey Hunt is our guest. And before we let you go, let's talk uh, athletics. Tell us uh, about some give it, bragging rights here on campus. What, uh, what's one of the teams that's really excelling, maybe with a huge, bright future in the near future? Well, we, you know, our athletics program has been very successful. Um, you know, we've, we've been to two Final Fours on the women's side. Uh, Jackie Stiles, uh, the all-time NCAA leading scorer, is back on campus as part of our coaching staff. Um, our baseball program has been to the uh, World Series up in Omaha. Uh, so we, we've had a lot of success. Uh, we, we continue to have that, that success, and uh, our programs are excelling. And uh, our, biggest, our biggest fame to claim, and, and what I love to see, is our all-sports trophy, which is an academic award. So, so not only uh, flexible and strong, smart as heck. Absolutely. Right. It is, it is student-athlete. <laughs> Casey Hunt, thank you so much for your time. We wish you uh, more success here at Missouri State. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Adam. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.